All right, let's, let's pray. Father, we just thank you that we can just gather around your word this morning, that your word's a lamp to our feet, it's a light to our path. And Lord, I pray that you just really just speak to our soul and our spirit this morning and help us to have a renewed passion for knowing you. And I just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, scripture I'm going to start off with, Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 14 says this, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. There are two amazing things about that statement by the prophet Habakkuk. First of all, the inevitability, the certainty of the pronouncement that there's going to be a time when the whole earth is filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. And secondly, that that time is likened to the certainty and the inevitability of the waters covering the sea. Now, as a boy, I lived in West Auckland, and I was um, talking to Betty, and she lived in West Auckland for 30 years uh, as well. And uh, my favourite beach was Piha. And uh, some of you would have um, been there, but um, we would tramp up to the waterfall. We would get burnt feet on the hot black sand. We would cover ourselves with coconut oil and lie in the black sand and get absolutely burnt, crispy black. We would get absolutely smashed by the waves. We would get mussels at North Piha off the rocks. But the highlight was always climbing to the top of Lion Rock. And this was before there was any rope barriers or easy steps. And those of you who have been up Lion Rock will know that there's a particular part uh, going up there where it was just one slide. And, uh, you know... It was quite a distance if you, well, if you fell, you were dead, basically. And how my, how my dad even let us go up there, I don't know. But uh, we had a fantastic time. And Piha <coughs> is typical of New Zealand's rugged west coast, which is slowly being eaten away by the sea day by day by day. Uh, it was interesting, uh, about six months ago or so, there was some really, really low tides and my brother took the opportunity to go, go out and go round, round the heads there. And uh, he helped discover a whole bunch of coastal caves in that area. And uh, got the caving people in so that they could map them and everything else. But it, it appears that the sea has just been pounding, pounding, pounding into the side of the cliffs. And so just eating them away and just creating these huge caves that go, some of them go for a kilometre uh, inland there. Uh, one thing is absolutely sure in all coastal situations, and that is that unless there is substantial man-made coastal barriers, the tide will eventually wash away the cliffs. And you see that all, all around the world. You see the beautiful white cliffs of Dover retreating, retreating, retreating year by year by year. Places where there used to be 
a lighthouse on the, um, on the hill. Uh, the lighthouse has had to be shifted back because the hill has been washed away, basically. There is an inevitability. There is a, a certainty that the tide will wash away the cliffs. That's what we expect of the sea. And God says that that certain expectation, that inevitability is what you should expect of God's ultimate plans. It's inevitable. There may be defeats along the way, but in the end, God wins. He's able to turn all things for good in your life. He doesn't lie. All the world, all the earth is going to be filled with the glory of God. Jesus is coming again. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord is going to be saved. The question is, not will the tide win. The question is, not will God's ultimate plans and purposes for mankind come to pass. The question is, will you be part of them? Will you see the plans and the purposes, the dreams that God has for your life come to pass? To do this, you have to know God. You have to develop a passion for hearing his voice and sensing his presence in your life. The Apostle Paul said in Philippians um, chapter 3 and verse 8, Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. But the question I have for us this morning is, what does it mean to know Jesus Christ? Is knowing Jesus Christ like I know the Queen of England? How many people know the Queen of England? Well, the last time I visited her house, Buckingham Palace, was 2001. Uh, I know she was there. Her flag was flying. Her guards were on duty. I'd recognise her if I saw her. Uh, I've seen her on TV. I've seen films about her and her family. I've read books and articles about her. I, I know quite a lot about her, but actually, uh, I've never met her. She's, she's never spoken to me. Um, some of you know God like I know the Queen of England. You know stuff about God. But actually, you've never met him. And when Paul says, I want to know Christ, he doesn't mean like that. He doesn't mean that we're supposed to know a whole pile of stuff about Jesus Christ. Uh, I wonder if uh, knowing God is a bit like I know Trevor Stone. Uh, Trevor is the guy I play golf with most Mondays. Really good guy. <coughs> I gave him a golf club a, a few years ago. It's the best club in his bag, and he always reminds me of that. And he's been very, very, very grateful for that. But I only see Trevor once a week. And although we've had some great conversations, I've met his wife, uh, I've never been to his house. Or what about knowing God? Is, is it like I know 
Hamish and Diane DeVette. <coughs> we used to be great friends. Uh, we both lived in Hamilton. We went to the same church. We got married on the same day, one year apart. We did stuff together, but then they shifted away to Auckland, and, and we never spent much time together over the years. And I heard what they were up to. They used to, they used to lead the C3 movement in New Zealand. I saw them a few months back, but it, it, it wasn't the same as what it used to be. And some of you are like that with God. You've known him, but you have drifted apart, and it's, and it's not the same. For others, it's a once-a-week thing, but you really don't know God in the way God wants you to know him. So how does God want us to know him? How did Paul want to know Christ? The most common way that the Bible describes our relationship with God is as a husband and a wife. In the New Testament, we're described, the church is described as the bride of Christ. So God wants us to know him like I know my wife, Penny. Now, that's a 24-7 relationship. That's a growing relationship. That's a relationship of commitment and intimacy. Penny and I have been married for nearly 44 years, 44 years in February. We hardly knew each other when we first got married. But we're learning more about each other every day. Uh, and when you live with someone, you get to know their heart, you get to know their weaknesses, you get to know their strengths, and your love grows, and that is the way that God wants to know him, wants us to know him. Communication is at the absolute center of a successful relationship. Every year, Penny and I go to Steiger in Germany where we do marriage counseling and where we do uh, a marriage seminar with the missionaries that are there. And in doing research uh, for these seminars, I found that more marriages break down because of lack of communication than any other single fact. It's the number one reason for divorce. And so we advise those missions couples to do what we used to do at the beginning of our married life. We set aside one hour every Monday night where we just talked face to face, where we just shared heart to heart. Uh, we talked about how I was getting on, and I wasn't. when Penny asked me, how are you getting on, I wasn't allowed to say, good. I had to expand on that a little bit. Okay, uh, and then I'd say, "So Penny, how are you getting on?" And and she would, and we'd talk about that. We'd talk about the kids. We would talk about my job situation. We talk about church. We would talk about finances. We talk about our sexual relationship because we wanted to get better in every area of our married life. I remember giving this advice to a new married couple in our church in Hamilton, and about two weeks later I saw the, um, the guy in church, and so I asked him if 
they had managed to get together and talk for an hour during the week. And he said to me, he said, Don, one hour? We talked for two and a half hours and I couldn't shut her up. <laughs> obviously, obviously, his, his wife was starved for meaningful communication. It was the first opportunity she had, so she just spouted forth, spouted forth. And um, if, you haven't ever, if you haven't ever done this, people, it will be the best thing that you ever do in your married life. It just, uh, it's difficult to start off with. One hour, face to face, heart to heart, but it is transforming. Absolute transforming. It takes time and effort and intention to build a great marriage. It doesn't just happen. I mean, everything's great during the honeymoon. And then real life starts. I mean, my honeymoon was fantastic. I came back from our honeymoon expecting a surprise party because it was my birthday at the end of the week. And so I was just so excited about this. And I was looking around for signs of it and Penny was just absolutely brilliant in keeping this surprise just really, really quiet. Came to the day of my birthday, nothing. Absolutely nothing. I was totally shocked. I wondered who this person was that I'd married. I didn't talk to her in any serious manner for about two months. Not that I was holding a grudge. It's called a patty. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was a big patty. But when we finally got round to talking about stuff, we found out that Penny was from a family of eight, and so she never celebrated birthdays. And all they got for their birthday was their favourite meal. Whereas in my family, I was from a family of three, and we always celebrated birthdays big time. So here we were, uh, two different people from two different backgrounds, coming together and learning to do life together. And when we started committing ourselves to just communicating face-to-face, on a once-a-week basis, it just really transformed things. And we had that list. I wrote that list down, and every, every week we would go through that list. And it was absolutely, absolutely fantastic. But if it takes time and effort to build a great marriage, if we recognize that great marriages don't just happen, if our, if our relationship with God is like a marriage... Why do we think our relationship with him will just grow automatically? It doesn't. We need to put time and effort into it if it's to be healthy and it's to grow. And I'm not talking about being religious. I'm talking about building a relationship with Jesus. I'm talking about heartfelt, two-way communication with our God. I'm not talking about coming to God with a wish list of things that we want him to do for us as if he were a Santa Claus. I'm talking about getting to know him, getting to hear his heart, 
learning to recognize his voice. Hearing his voice is something that we learn and that we grow in, but it's essential for a healthy relationship because God not only wants to hear from us, but he wants us to hear from him. In fact, if we aren't hearing from God ourselves, uh, we can miss out on his plans for our life. If you want to see the plans of God come to pass in your life, you have to get to know the God of the plans. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And we often quote that particular voice, verse. But then it goes on and says, And you will call upon me and come and pray to me. And I will listen to you. You will seek me. And find me when you seek me with all your heart. He's not talking about something half-hearted here. He's talking about all of our hearts. I will be found of you, declares the Lord. So walking into the plans and the purposes that God has for your life is going to be dependent on you getting to know the God of the plans. It's going to be dependent on you seeking him uh, with all of your heart. And then Jesus said to his disciples, he said, My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. So part of being a disciple, part of being uh, one of God's people is that we grow to hear his voice. Hearing God's voice, God's voice keeps us on track for fulfilling God's plans for our lives as we follow Jesus. If we aren't hearing and following God's voice, then we'll be depending on our own humanity, our own ability to make things happen. Whereas Zechariah 4 tells us it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by the Spirit of God that things happen. So if we are following the voice of the flesh or the enemy, they will lead us away from God's plans and God's purposes. Hearing God's voice is a, is a skill that we develop, not something that we are born again with in its mature and refined form. So we need to work at it. One of the really, really encouraging people in the Bible for me was the prophet Samuel. It says about him that he was so clear in bringing the prophetic word, he was so clear in hearing God's voice, that God said that he never let any of his words fail. And in fact, Samuel was the one who who brought the nation of Israel out of a particularly dark time, a time when they couldn't hear the voice of the Lord, when there wasn't much moving of the Spirit in the whole nation. Samuel was born to Hannah. And if you know her story uh, in the beginning of 1 Samuel, you'll know that she was barren, but she sought the Lord. She cried out to God. God heard her cry, and as a result of that, uh, God gave her the desire of a heart, which was a son. So Hannah dedicate, dedicated Samuel back 
uh, to the Lord. And as a very, very young child, Samuel lived in the temple with the priest, Eli. And it was Samuel's job just to serve, just to serve. When he was a young boy, Samuel didn't know the voice of God. In fact, the first encounter that we see of Samuel and God, God calls out to Samuel four times. Not once, not twice, not three times, but four times before Samuel recognizes that this is God. In fact, the first time uh, when God calls to Samuel, Samuel thinks it's the priest, Eli, who's calling him. So he goes in and says, here I am. And uh, the priest says, no, go, go back to bed. So the second time when he hears the voice, Samuel, Samuel, he goes to the priest. Go back to bed. The third time he hears Samuel, Samuel goes to the priest. And by this time, the priest is starting to click on to perhaps there's something going on here. And so the priest says to Samuel, okay, next time he calls, say, I'm here, Lord. Please speak to me. And so Samuel does. And Samuel has a conversation with God. Now, the great thing about that is that this guy who ends up being one of the sharpest hearers of the voice of God started off, just like you and me, not being able to recognize God's voice at all. But on the other side of it is the fact that God was persistent with Samuel. And God didn't just give up after the first time of being rejected by Samuel. God just didn't think, oh, you slow of hearing, idiot, and go and talk to somebody else. The reality is with us, God gave his one and only son, Jesus Christ. He gave the ultimate, ultimate, ultimate sacrifice so that we could come to know him. Don't you think that he's going to speak to us? He's not going to make this huge sacrifice and then do nothing. He's made this huge sacrifice and he will be persistent in speaking to us, speaking to us, speaking to us if we would only learn to listen. Hearing God's voice will enable you to be able to make great decisions throughout your life. Hearing God's voice is so important. And that is why Satan will target your spiritual hearing because he knows that faith comes by hearing, hearing God's voice. One of our biggest hindrances to growing in our knowledge of God and experiencing an increased manifestation of his presence and hearing his voice are simply the distractions of life. Uh, in Luke chapter 10, verse 38, it tells us of a time where Jesus goes to Mary's house and Martha's house. And 
Martha's busy in the kitchen doing all the necessary preparation for the evening meal. She's the typical hostess. She's running around doing everything. Uh, Mary is just sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to him. And it's interesting that uh, Martha gets uh, uh, upset. It says um, in verse 40, But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made, and she came to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. And uh, Jesus replies, he says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it won't be taken away from her. See, all these things needed to be done. There's no doubt about that. The meal wasn't going to happen unless Martha did the preparation. But the most important thing at that time was actually to sit and just listen to Jesus. And we just get caught up with so many distractions. Most of us will spend more time on our phones or our iPads than we spend in prayer or reading God's word. It's really important that we prioritize our time and train ourselves to listen to the Lord. I've had about five um, missions trips to to India, and a number of those I've um, spent time in Kolkata. And on a couple of those occasions, I've actually driven past Mother Teresa's orphanage in Kolkata. On the wall is a photo of Mother Teresa with her Bible open praying. She was asked, when you pray, what do you do? And she said, I listen. That's not rocket science, is it? (laughs) I listen. Jeremiah 33.3 says, call unto me and I'll answer you. Uh, James 4.8 says, come near to God and he will come near to you. And when we make an effort to listen to God, when we make an effort to hear his voice, God speaks. Uh, I think all of the major decisions that I've had to make since becoming a Christian, I've done so after hearing the voice of God. I came to Whangarei because I heard God speak to me in a dream. And God spoke to me in a dream because I was in a time of prayer and fasting because I wanted to hear from God as to what Penny and I should be doing with our life. You see, he, he speaks through his word. One of the traps we can get through, how many people read through the Bible once a year? Just throw your hand up if if that's your intention. You want to read through the Bible once a year. Yeah, great intention. One of the the problems we have with that is that sometimes, uh, speaking for myself, sometimes I get a few days behind and I think, oh, I I better rush through and catch up on my Bible reading. Any of you ever had to catch up on your Bible reading? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you rush through it. But the reality is, when I'm rushing through, I very rarely hear God speak to me. It's when I take my time and I start off, God, I just really want you to speak to me today. 
and I open up my Bible reading and I just begin to read his word, then suddenly I'll invariably I'll find things just jump out of the page and I'll just hear the voice of God just reinforcing, reinforcing what he's saying in his word. And his word teaches us about his heart. His word teaches us to recognize his voice. It's like it fills us with his words, his voice, etc. So that when we need them, he can bring those to the forefront. It was really, really amazing for me when I got born again of the Spirit of God when I was at university. Suddenly, all the scriptures that I had learnt as a Sunday school kid at St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church in Margan Ave in New Lynn, suddenly all of those scriptures, which absolutely meant nothing to me previously, suddenly they came alive. And God just began to speak to me through all these scriptures. Now, those scriptures were like a seed in my life that when I got born again, he watered by the power of his Holy Spirit. And if you don't sow those seeds in, you're not going to be able to get them out. So I just want to encourage you in that, people. Get into the Word of God because His Word is one of the ways that we hear His voice. Um, His still small voice is the most common way. The Word and a still small voice would be the most common ways that God speaks to me. His still small voice, we recognize that as a gentle whisper. And a classic example of that is when Elijah was burnt out. He's in a cave, and God's going to speak to him. God doesn't speak to him through the wind, doesn't speak to him through an earthquake, doesn't speak to him through the fire. But God calls Elijah out out to the front of the cave, and then it says that he hears a gentle whisper. And a gentle whisper speaks of the proximity, the closeness of God in that situation because God wants us to grow our relationship with him and so he wants us to sense his nearness and his closeness and he does that by whispering to us. But it also means if there are lots of distractions going around, then we're not going to be able to hear that gentle whisper. And as I said before, one of the biggest stumbling blocks for us in hearing God's voice is we simply don't spend the time alone, quiet, waiting, listening. He speaks through the prophetic. He speaks through dreams and visions. He speaks through ordering situations and circumstances. I think we we saw last week when I was talking about Ruth that while Ruth was doing the ordinary behind the scenes, God was doing the extraordinary. And he was bringing circumstances, situations and circumstances to bear because he saw uh, Ruth's heart. We just need to be hungry to listen and to tune in for us to hear what God's saying. If you've got a radio in your car, um, I, I listen to the sports news uh, when I'm traveling in the car. Uh, 
the sports news is going to be broadcast whether I turn the radio on or not. It's happening. And God is speaking to us whether you tune in, whether you turn on to God or not. He's still doing it. But it needs us to tune in if we're going to hear. Psalm 81 verse 13 says, If my people would but listen to me, if Israel would follow my ways, how quickly would I subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes. If you want victory in life, listen to God's word to you. If you want God's plans to come to pass in your life, get to know the God of the plans. Listen to him, and then he will direct your path. Penny and I grew up in a, in a church. We came to Hamilton AOG when it was uh, a church of about 180, I suppose, in 19, Christmas of 1974. And a decade later, it was over 1,000 people on a Sunday morning. And it was one of the fastest growing churches in our nation at that stage. And we had more people uh, per head of population uh, in our church in Hamilton than than most other churches in the nation. As a result of the church's significance and its impact, we used to get lots and lots of visiting speakers. And we get some great ones. I remember turning up at church one morning, and there was Kenneth Copeland. He had flown down by helicopter from Auckland, especially to do the morning services at our church, and then he flew back and then flew out. So we had some fantastic... Uh, preachers come in and we had a lot of prophetic ministries come through and so as a man who was hungry for God I used to make sure that I was sitting in the front row so that the uh, visiting preacher would see me and uh, would give me the word of the Lord but the problem was I noticed that it was the person next to me who was getting the prophetic word or there was the person behind me was getting the prophetic word and I'm sitting in the front row just about can, can you see me? Can you see me? And one day, I remember this prophetic guy coming, and, and he prophesied to the person next to me, he prophesied to the person behind me, and two rows back, and he never prophesied over me at all. I went home, and I was absolutely stinking. I was absolutely frustrated. And I said, God, why don't I get any prophecies from these people who are coming to our church? And he says, and God immediately said, because I don't give them any. I thought, well, why don't you give them any for me? And God said, I don't give them any words for you because I want you to be able to hear from me yourself. Wow. God doesn't want you to have a second-hand relationship. I mean, as fantastic as the preaching is, the reality is, if this is the only time you hear the word of the Lord, you're going to starve. You need to be hearing from God yourself. You need to be reading God's word yourself. You need to be studying his word yourself to be approved. You need to have that hunger and that thirst in your heart, for yourself to hear God, not through somebody else, but directly from him. 
because he wants a relationship with you more than anything else, and he doesn't want a relationship with you through me. Isaiah 40 says, Those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Why or how is our strength renewed? Because invariably, when we wait on the Lord, we sense his presence. When we wait on the Lord, he speaks to us. And if you've never experienced that before, I want you to experience that. So guys, do you want to just flick that, um, that video on? I want everyone just to close your eyes. And I want you to start and just say, God, right here, right now, would you just draw near to me? God, I want to sense your presence. I want to hear your still small voice.
you know, one of the easiest ways to plug into the Lord is just to put on some worship music in the background and just wait. Just plug in. Some of you will find a, a happy place, as it were, for plugging to God. Some of you, it'll be just going for a quiet walk in your garden. Others of you will just be going in the spare room and just sitting down and just being still and just waiting on God. But all of us, if we would wait on God, if we would just push aside the distractions, if you would recognize that God wants to speak to you, He's not going to make it hard for you. He's actually prepared the way. He's just waiting for us to draw aside and to spend quiet time with Him. You will be amazed at what God will say to you. And we don't have to come with a shopping list. We just need to come say, God, I just want to draw close to you. And he promises that when we do that, he will draw close to us. You don't have to have the right words. You just have to be there. You just have to be there. And if you would say, God, I want to know your voice. I want to grow in my ability to hear from you. He will say, okay, I'll teach you. Start by getting into my word. And when you read the word, as I said before, don't, don't rush through it. Just, just take a passage, any passage, anywhere. And just say, God, would you, will you just speak to me through this passage? And, and let God open it up for you. And you'll be amazed at how your relationship with him will grow. Today, we need to come to him and say, I want to hear from you. I want you to come into my life afresh. I want you to transform me. I want your kingdom to come in my life. I want your kingdom to come in my family. I want your kingdom to come in my church and in my city. But most of all, I want to know you. I want to know you better, Lord. And I guarantee you will sense his presence and you will sense his smile on you. Amen.